kind of sets us up for the theme here in terms of that last line, none but Jesus can do helpless sinners good. Recognizing our helplessness and then recognizing the only solution in Christ. Uh, really, the, the theme of this whole day has been coming to God, coming to Him with the right perspective. And maybe you noticed that in the songs. There was, um, come thou almighty King, come thou long expected Jesus, come thou fount. And then again, uh, this afternoon, come ye sinners. And we'll sing, we'll close it out again with come thou almighty King. So uh, the idea here in this passage is about coming to Jesus, coming to him, both to hear him speak and to be healed by him, which implies that we both need what he has to say and we need what he can do for us in his actions. And so as we're looking at Luke 6, we'll be just looking at verses 17 through 19, just three verses. And now that Jesus has called his apostles, we saw last week, um, he returns directly to his teaching and healing ministry. It's right back up where he left off, but now he has these apostles alongside of him, learning from him, uh, shadowing him, and being blessed and encouraged alongside the crowd. And there was never a lack of ministry opportunities. Right? Wherever he goes, a crowd quickly gathers around him. And I, I find that somewhat interesting because in our own lives, we we're always looking and searching for opportunities, right? Like there's not anything really happening around us. And yet every time we open the gospel, we see there are ministry opportunities everywhere. And it's oftentimes simply we're not looking. Our eyes are not um, looking in the right direction. So why did crowds gather around Jesus? And it wasn't because he made some announcement sent out postcards beforehand saying, evangelist is coming to town. Make sure you show up at the mount or the plain where he's going to be speaking. Right? Those who had heard him were compelled to go back and hear him again. Those who had been healed by him wanted more of Christ. And not only that, but they were so excited that they brought others to him. They, they were excited to hear him, and the crowds kept growing because more and more people uh, were being brought to listen, to be healed. And so there are plenty of people in our own lives who need to, who need to experience Jesus, who need to hear from him, who need to be healed by him. And really, I think we are carrying on that same mission. Right, in the Great Commission of gathering others with us, bringing them along to hear from our Lord. That's what we do when we gather for worship. That's what we do when we sit at the, uh, when we sit before His Word, the preaching of His Word. We're coming to hear from Him, and I do believe, just as this we'll see from this passage, that those who place themselves in in the path of Jesus are richly rewarded. Right, you don't go away saying that was a waste of time. Now, hopefully, maybe, maybe some of you have experienced that in the past. Maybe you come to church and you've been discouraged. You walk away feeling beaten up and wounded by the experience. But, but the reason why we're here is to be rewarded from our Savior, 
our Lord, to give him glory and to hear a word from him. And so with that expectation, let's go to him now in prayer before we read this passage. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We know that, that you speak through your word, that it's powerful and that it does the work that you intend it to do by your spirit as we listen in faith and as we have our own expectations of you working in our hearts. Father, maybe that does require some conviction of sin. Maybe that does require some sense of, of, of shame or guilt that needs to be dealt with. But Lord, we pray that as we depart, we will feel the comfort of your gospel. And then that will be a rich reward to us. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So read with me Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. And he came down with them, that being his apostles, whom he's just called to himself. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed by, of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. Amen. This is God's holy word. Well, the first thing we see here is that they come. A great crowd gathers. They come to Jesus, verse 17. Jesus and the apostles came to a plain. This is oftentimes compared to the Sermon on the Mount, and it is parallel, much of the same themes of his sermon that will follow this passage um, as we get into next week. And it begins with the Beatitudes, the same um, the same as the Sermon on the Mount, but, but it begins clearly here, they, they go on to a level place. Now, some would say, depending on your perspective, I mean, these are not like great large mountains, they're hills surrounding the region of Galilee. And so if he came down to maybe a level place on a hill, it could be that they're speaking about the same message, the same sermon, but I, I find it a little more likely that, that this is another sermon on another occasion from the same region and preaching about similar themes. Certainly, we don't have everything Jesus said recorded in Scripture. We don't have every sermon he preached recorded for us. Um, and there would be a lot of, uh, of parallels in the messages that he preached. And so it's probably not the Sermon on the Mount, but we do see that they're in the similar region surrounding Galilee, probably the north coast of Galilee uh, near Capernaum. And, and obviously, as we'll look at next week and the following weeks, um, what Luke here really just spends a chapter describing, the sermon that, that follows this event here, um, he limits to one chapter, whereas Matthew spends three chapters describing uh, a similar message. But there's a large crowd, first of all, of disciples, and then also a great multitude of people. Luke distinguishes between the two. So it's not just that his followers are gathering around him. Obviously, he comes down with his apostles to this plain, and, and there are uh, a, a large group of his followers or his disciples that gather, but then also a great multitude of people, and it starts to, to speak of different regions of Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, those who were from Jerusalem were likely traveling over 100 miles to get to him, to listen to him. Um, people from the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon traveling upwards of 50 miles, maybe. 
So you think the average person maybe have traveled 50 miles just to hear Jesus, uh, to be blessed by him, to be healed by him if they were sick or dealing with um, an unclean spirit. And, it, and, and obviously, think about traveling that distance at this day and age. It would have taken days, not hours. And they would, have, they would have had time to build up some anticipation. And recently I was watching um, this documentary on the making of the movie Vacation. And the whole Griswold family um, arrived at Wally World at the end of the original screenplay, but the park was closed. And uh, people, that when they, when they kind of... Try, had a trial screening of, of the movie, the audience would laugh all the way up until they got to Wally World and found out it was closed. And it was like this big letdown. It was like a, the audience felt completely cheated. And instead of laughing, now they're, they're groaning all the way through the end. And, and by the end of the movie, no one, no one liked it. And I, and I, I wonder if that sometimes is, is, is how we... we approach kind of coming to church, right? We have these expectations and, and we're let down or something. But Jesus' availability, we see Jesus always making himself available to these crowds. So their confidence would have been high. They travel a great distance knowing full well that it will not be a waste, that it will not be a letdown. They'll not be discouraged or feel cheated when they leave. I think that's, you know, we talk a lot about preparing our hearts for worship. There's a reason for that, because it's very easy to not do so and to, conf- and, to, and to allow this opportunity to come and worship and gather for worship to be just something you could have done on your own, right? something you could have, uh, you, you, you really were, were el- your mind was elsewhere anyways. So do you come to Jesus filled with anticipation of being richly rewarded? I think that's an important part of worship. Coming expecting to hear from him. That does apply at every level when we just open his word in our homes with our family, when we open our word on our own. Um, I think the expectation we have when we come before him is an important part of worship and preparing ourselves to receive from him. Church isn't the only place you can go to meet with Jesus, right? But I hope that it's the place you come with great expectations to hear from him and that you've been encouraged and blessed by the fellowship that you receive as you gather together with the saints. That it's not a place you come begrudgingly. That's not what church is supposed to be. Um, We should never leave worship feeling cheated, (laughs) feeling like we wasted our time. And that's a question we should be asking ourselves. Why do we come to church? Why did we come tonight? Why do we come back to church after having already come this morning? It's the same reason. We want more of Christ. It should be what compels us to come. In verse 18, we see that they came to hear, and that's something that is oftentimes glossed over. They came to hear him. Not just be healed by him. He wasn't just a miracle worker that they were pointing at and saying, hey, come, if you've got any kind of problem, he'll fix it for you. 
They weren't just coming with, with these selfish motives. They came to hear from him. They were interested in hearing whatever Jesus had to say. And it's not as if Jesus was tickling their ears, that everything he said was just kind of cotton candy. You know, they ate it up and loved it. And many of them were being rebuked. Many of them were being challenged and convicted by the messages he gave. And much of the awe that we find from the crowds throughout the Gospels was not in response to the miracles he did, but to the messages he spoke. It's oftentimes where you read where the the crowd was amazed with the authority that he had when he spoke, the things that he said. And so when they heard him once, of course, they come back again. And not only do they come back to hear him themselves, but they say, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. You need to come and bring your family and friends. I think sometimes we are intimidated about asking our family and friends to come to church. You know, we don't want to be that person who always brings up something that's uncomfortable with people around us. The question is, what is it that we're inviting them to? Right? What are we bringing them for? It's, it's to, to meet Jesus. Right? That's the goal. And there shouldn't be anything that would be a greater hindrance or that would be such a hindrance that we couldn't overcome it in order to invite them. So think about the time where the gospel was preached with such clarity. The spirit was filled with so much emotion, whether, I mean, you were filled with so much emotion, like joy, hope, love, maybe something else where you're sitting under the the preaching of the word and just being overwhelmed emotionally by what you're hearing. I'm sure you've all experienced that at some point. Right? The Spirit actively working through His Word, speaking to you exactly what you need to hear, not because the person has some clue into your life story, but clearly because God is at work. Maybe, maybe it was many years ago for you. Maybe that's been a long time since you felt that engaged in a worship service. Um, maybe it was just last week. Maybe it was this morning. The question is, why is that? What is, what is the state of your soul even now? Do you take the time to evaluate that? What am I expecting when I come to church? What am I expecting to hear? How am I expecting to be changed and challenged? Because I do believe that God is at work even when the pastor stumbles through some mess of a sermon. <laughs> right? If it's preaching from God's word, there's an opportunity for the spirit to be at work. And so sometimes our bodies are present, but our minds are absent. Our hearts are far from engaged. Um, I I know if you're like me, reading can be a a bit of a challenge. I need to put headphones in. My kids are so quiet, you hardly hear them, but occasionally they can say something. And so I put my headphones in. And I have to distract myself so that I can read and focus on what I'm reading. And, and yet, even still, I'll be reading and I'll go, what did I just read? I just spent an hour reading something and I, I, I got to go back and read the headings again to go, oh, yeah, that's right. It's so easy for our minds to wander and to be distracted. But just like that, we can read without understanding. We can come to worship without really worshiping. So coming to here takes preparation. Sometimes it takes significant preparation. 
And sometimes it means we come, we get here well in advance to prepare our hearts or just engage our minds in that opportunity to prepare. Obviously, the, the few moments that we provide here before the worship service is just a reminder that you should be doing this before you come to prepare your hearts to engage, to hear from your Savior. And I do believe those who do prepare to hear from him are richly rewarded. And we won't feel like our effort was in vain. But in addition to coming to hear, we also come to heal. They came to hear and to be healed of their diseases. Those who were troubled with unclean spirits came to be cured. So really there's kind of three different things that they were coming for, coming to hear, to be healed, and to be cured of unclean spirits. Uh, People were being healed of sickness, unclean demons, simply by touching Jesus. Power, it says, was going out of him to heal them all. So everyone, I mean, they're just crowded around him, and they're all trying to get to him, to get near to him. And when we read things like this and, and we look at other, maybe some of the message of other churches that talk about these passages, um, the, we do have the question of whether or not this is still happening today. And is Jesus still healing those who come to him? I do believe Jesus remains powerful. In fact, resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Lord, he intercedes on our behalf. And we know that he manifests his power through his church, that he does a work. He continues to do a work through his people, his church. And so when we, looked at, when we look to James chapter 5, we read this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed, has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is the instruction to the church, instruction to pray and to bring your sicknesses to Jesus, to continue to come, to ask for healing, to seek for the prayer of the elders. Them. Now, it talks about oil, anointing them with oil. I don't think there's a special oil you can go out and buy to provide this healing power. Um, you may be able to go over to a, a Christian trinket store and find some, oint, some vial that says healing ointment. Um, but it's just olive oil with scent in it. And I hate to break it to you. There's nothing special about what's in that bottle. Um, but the idea here is that they were, they were coming to the church and recognizing that there was a connection to the prayer that they received and the medicine that they were taking. Right? For many, that oil was an oil of, it was a, a healing. Um, it was like medicine. It was being used in that same way. And the elders were responsible for applying that in these cases. Um, and I think that kind of thing should be continuing to happen. We should be coming to our leadership, praying when we're sick, trusting that the Lord can and 
will heal us in his timing. Seeking the hand of the Lord in our lives. We see this in other places in the gospel. We see it in Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. In Luke chapter 10, verse 34, so later on, the same gospel that we're preaching through, we'll come to this. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. That's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so how does the Good Samaritan take care of, this, uh, of his neighbor? Well, he, take, he takes care of him, binding up his wounds, pouring oil and wine upon him. Interesting that you won't find that vial of healing wine. Um, but that's the, the idea is we're, we're coming, trusting that the church, there's a direct connection between our health physically and spiritually related to the church. That doesn't mean you come to the church before you go to the doctor in, in, in the case of an emergency. But maybe we're, we're, we're kind of afraid of going there when it comes to our health. Or we pray generally and vaguely. Yet I do believe that God remains powerful and at work in and through the church. And although it's common for saints to refer to this struggle with sin as a sickness that needs to be healed, or kind of turn this passages like this into an argument, um, we spiritualize it. Right? We say, well, you know, we're all sick because we're sinners. And then we need healing as well. But I don't want to be too quick to do that. I don't want to recognize that there are many people in this context, in our own church, that are suffering and that are sick and need your prayers, need to be encouraged by a word from Christ. These people here in this passage were clearly physically suffering. It wasn't just a spiritual condition that they had. And yet, there is a recognition that Scripture encourages the spiritual use of this same language. Right, you can look to 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. That's spiritually speaking of our healing, right, of being healed by his wounds. So there is a component here that we, it's perfectly valid for us to take this to a spiritual level as well. I just think we should be doing both. We should be recognizing that God is sovereign over our physical bodies as much as he is sovereign over our spiritual lives. And those who come to Jesus in faith and repentance have been richly rewarded by this healing. They've been given an inheritance, an eternal inheritance that awaits. And so my challenge to you is if you're sick, come to Jesus for healing. If you're sinful, come to Jesus for healing. Right? We, be, we need both. We come to hear and we come to heal. And we'll get into his message later on. He, he, after he does this work of compassion upon the crowd that comes, 
he begins to share with them the message that they came to hear. And again, it's also filled with encouragement and also challenge and conviction. But those who came to Jesus came to hear and to be healed. And I do believe that that's continuing to happen today, that those who place themselves in the path of Jesus are richly rewarded when they do. And so maybe you need to be reminded of just that simple message to come. To come often, to come prepared, to come ready to hear, to come ready to heal. And to let others know, right? To bring others with you, to be excitedly sharing what Christ is doing in and through his church. And so maybe one of those ideas stands out to you, this need to, to come or the need to hear, to be prepared to hear, or the need to, to trust in his healing. Or the challenge to bring others. But in fact, all of them apply. Right? Ideally, all of us uh, recognize the importance of each one of these categories. So let's ask the Lord for his help in applying them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word.